WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Always live on the free Odyssey app. From the Sherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Live and local from Philadelphia. Free speech lives here. Here. It's Kale and Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And away we go, live on this Friday, September 29th. It is indeed Kale and Company, right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We are always live on the free Odyssey app, and of course, streaming live for your video viewing pleasure on YouTube. As we head until 10 o'clock this morning, 855-839-1210, the phone number, Twitter and Instagram, at 1210WPHT. I am at Nick Kale, K-A-Y-A-L, Don Stenzlin with the news, Greg Stocker, the chairman of the board, Daniel Valdez, Anthony Dorenzo, our associate producers. It is a Friday. We've made it to the weekend, Don. Good morning. How are you? Good morning on this dreary day. I'm getting real sick of this weather, i got to tell you that. Well... You're going to be really sick of it. We've got storms, and they're saying an inch of rain an hour this evening. Oh, good. Yeah, by, so, the, by the way, just a heads up to anybody driving right now, yeah. uh, standing water on on Woodhaven Road is terrible. Yeah. Great. You almost lost your program director this morning. Oh, I was, no. I was, oh my god! I was doing about 80 on, on, oh. on Woodhaven Road, and all of a sudden, it would, there was, you know, two inches of water. Oh, boy. Yep. <sighs> Before you know Glad it, you're okay. yeah. Woodhaven Road will have more water in it than Meatball's bathtub. Oh, God. Stop. No. Yuck. <laughs> oh, we got a lot of good stuff today. We've got media malpractice every which way you look. Locally, nationally, television, newspapers. They just don't care anymore. They just don't care. We'll expose it. That's coming up in the big take this morning. Also, a lot of interesting stuff with Philadelphia. Kurt Schilling... Speaking of media malpractice, we're going to get to him today. We've got the Philadelphia Phillies and a fan and emotional support and alligators. Meatball's back to doing what Meatball does, and that's post stupid stuff online. We'll get to her. And the ratings are in for the second Republican primary debate. How did the GOP do? We've got the details, and we'll get into that this morning. And also, the obsession still continues with media members feeling compelled to go to their Twitter feed when they test positive for COVID and let you know that they tested positive for COVID and that they feel like they've got the chills and the body aches three and a half years into this stinking thing. All right, we got a lot of good things to get to. It's going to be a good show, good mix of stuff today, some serious stuff. We've got the fallout from the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden debacle yesterday with the impeachment inquiry. But before we get to all of that, let's get to the news because we have a lot of it. 6.05 Friday morning, and here is Don Stensland. Yes, we do. On this very dreary Friday, Friday, September 29th, as uh, as we'll also talk this morning, of course, about what's happening in D.C. And will we get a U.S. budget, or will it be shut down midnight tomorrow night? That's uh, the big question of a government shutdown. And, of course, uh, those talks swirl. I want to take you closer to home on this Friday because there's a seven-year-old little girl that was struck by a car in the suburbs last night, about 8.30 on Township Line Road. This is Abington, Pennsylvania, and 
Police say that the girl was rushed to Jefferson Abington Hospital there for treatment. We do not have word this morning on her condition, and they're still investigating what led to that crash. The driver did stay on the scene and is cooperating with officials. That's the latest that we have. So we don't have much information about this, but we know that the seven-year-old little girl is in the hospital this morning. They've apparently stabilized her condition, so we're trying to get to the bottom of that one. Let's talk about and wrap up the week in Philadelphia. We should have been talking this week about our Phil's clinching uh, that wild card spot and all the good news. But unfortunately, there was chaos and looting in Philadelphia that we've talked about at least 60 plus arrests happening in the city of Philadelphia with police beefing up patrol patrols. And there are two specific individuals that we'll talk about. The man arrested. We're learning more and we told you about this yesterday, but we're learning more about this man during that was arrested during the chaos of this week's looting in Philadelphia. And many are not surprised that he was actually somebody who was out on bail. And the, his alleged victim's family speaking out, saying, why was this guy out on the streets anyway? He's identified as Kenneth Fry, and he's one of more than 60 people who've been arrested and taken into custody after these large groups just wreaked havoc across our city of Philadelphia, smashing storefronts, of course, ransacking shelves and uh, stealing stolen, you know, taking stolen merchandise. We've talked a lot about that and profiled that for you. But this man, 24 years old, was actually out on bail for a deadly incident that happened back in 2022. And we had reported this incident back in 2022 when police say this guy was... um this guy Tuesday night was caught looting in front of a fine wine in Good Spirits store. That was Tuesday night, but we're learning more about Fry, who had been a bouncer back in 2022, charged in the death of 41-year-old Eric Pope outside Taboo Lounge, and that's in Center City, back in April of 2022. So police um, say that Pope, the victim here, was standing alone. He actually, if you look at the video, he was dancing. He was outside the bar. Fry had actually just escorted him outside the bar. And the, the reason was that they wanted him out because Pope was reportedly uh, very drunk. So they said, get him out of here. Fry, then you see him walk up and he punches Pope. He appears to punch him to the ground. And then ultimately, a few minutes later, you see two individuals carry him back up to the curb. First responders called but um, Mr. Pope, actually Eric Pope, passed away about a week later in the hospital. Tragic situation. If you remember, he was a member of the of the gay community, well-known, beloved. His family had spoken out at the time. There was an investigation. And actually, uh, Fry had turned himself in about a day after officials issued an arrest warrant for him. So initially, he was charged with third-degree murder and involuntary manslaughter, was going through the courts, ultimately a judge had said, no, it's it's not third-degree murder. And so he was freed on bail, still, face, still facing involuntary manslaughter. Ultimately, it took a while, but the DA's office did recharge him. I'll point out to you a very lengthy process if you look at all of the court dates. And you may perhaps wonder, why was all of this taking so long with all of these court dates? But that's what was going on. Certainly, Eric Pope's mom, Heather, uh, speaking out and devastated to hear that the person accused of this, who she was still awaiting that court ruling to see if those third degree murder charges were even reinstated, 
She was shocked, as was the family and the community. So the guy kills the guy with a punch. Allegedly. Allegedly. Falls down to the curb, dies. And as he's waiting to go through this long litigation process, decides to go looting. Yes. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> Jeez, I'm telling you. Yeah, nearly a year. Yeah. Ne- nearly a year. Uh-huh. And if you look at the timeline, there were people who, you know, if you if you actually look at the timeline, there were some who remember the case commenting on that, mm-hmm. saying, "What's going on in Philadelphia?" You know, for a city that, that, for know, a city that doesn't prosecute people, it's amazing that some of these backlogs of court cases get so so deep and filled up. It's like it's not like we're throwing anybody in jail these days. Uh, you know, you think that a year gone by? My God. Yeah, that's a good point. It's uh, you know, and and this guy deserves due process as everybody in the system does. But this was, if you watch the video, was a disturbing crime. So the fact that this one wasn't a priority to your point, Nick, uh, the, that question remains unanswered. But the case can be made that this guy should not have been on the street if the justice system operated uh, quicker than uh, than a tortoise going down the Google. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, there are no tortoises or maybe there are at least on the roads out where Greg Stalker was going to work because <clears throat> it's it's uh, maybe fish or on some of the roads. It's a mess outside. So be safe as you drive in. Seriously. Of course, we have been following the case of Deja Blackwell. She's that uh, social media influencer. Everybody must eat! And uh, we've talked Meatball. a lot about her. Her name on social media is Meatball. Ugh. They're saying now that she had some half a million plus people who were watching her, who were following her. DA's office says she was charged with burglary, criminal conspiracy, criminal trespass, criminal mischief, riot, and so on. Use of communication facility saying that she actually was helping to orchestrate all of the the caravans Mm -hmm. of those looters. But we saw yesterday that she was arraigned and her mom actually posted bail, which was set at $25,000. So she was out with mom. I'm very curious to see um, if she's got a public defender or if she's got a attorney that she's going to be paying and how this plays out. I hope they don't plea bargain this thing down to very minuscule charges because she was charged with six felonies. Yes. So. We'll follow that one, too. Yes, we will. We're following a lot this morning. And and I'll just headline the fact that TikTok, we do have, we're on the clock now. And uh, certainly Kevin McCarthy's house uh, is under fire for not getting the deal done as far as the budget deal. So it's on again, off again. So we're watching that in D.C. very carefully to see if there is a, a government shutdown, as it were, especially for those first responders who are who. Um, you know, the pay, the pay stops. And so for some, they still have to work, even though the report is that they would not be paid. Oh. And so this will take us though into the good news here is that it would happen Saturday midnight. Kevin McCarthy, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has said that they will work through the weekend. So it really doesn't impact anybody mm-hmm. if it goes, if they go all day Saturday and all day Sunday. Yeah. So they get that little day of pad because it is a Sunday. If the government doesn't get it figured out and we come back to Monday and they're shut down, will anybody really notice? <laughs> will anybody? Like, I feel like it's one of these things. I know there are some serious impacts to it, but it's just like, does it affect the average everyday American's life when they hear this? Like, I feel like we panic over this stuff all the time for, for very little reason. Well, the last time we did, and that was with Trump in 2018, 2019, actually today at I think 11 o'clock, Andy Bloom with Broad and Liberty, we're going to talk to him about it. But cool. basically, he took a look at the, the ramifications of it. So ultimately, uh, the media blames Republicans. You could blame Republicans. And ultimately, 
it never turns out well for Republicans never. when it's on your watch. That's correct. So there's there's that going on. Uh, but on a, on a lighter note, I mean, okay, on a bad note, Philly's lost three to two. We lost to the Pirates last night. Are you going to talk about Bryce Harper? Should I, I should not talk about the helmet. No, you can go right okay. ahead. So Bryce, because I have to think of something good. Yeah, I was watching. I was watching football anyway, so that's all. Yours. <laughs> <laughs> so Bryce Harper. Okay, it was a really bad call. It was. It was a horrible call. I'm just going to say the umpire. You know who you are, and you know what you did. Jack but Swing. Harper kind of flipped out. <laughs> I've, I've seen the, the video of him going off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Angel Angel Hernandez is one of the. He's worst. got a history of being a tool. He's a terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible umpire. Yes, he is. And and just he misses calls all the time. They went back and they looked at that call. Yeah, and it clearly was. It clearly was not. Um. He didn't swing at it. Okay. So he, he never went around. No. Okay. So here's what happened then. So Harper is mad, and then he, he's getting thrown out. So he's all he's all having his little hissy fit. Mm-hmm. And so, but he takes, he flips his maroon Phillies helmet over the protective netting into the stands as uh. he's walking out. And this 10-year-old kid from Voorhees, New Jersey, mm-hmm. gets it. Yeah. And a hell of a souvenir. It is. Yes. And he's thrilled. Hayden Dorfman, they've identified him and interviewed him. Nice name. I like Hayden. So Bryce Harper came back, autographed it for him. Yeah, Bryce Harper's a great guy. That was really cute. Yeah. I mean, when he was in Washington, (laughs) I thought he was kind of a a D-bag. But since he's become to Philadelphia, he's a really cool guy. He's he's embraced the city. The city's embraced him back. Yeah. So that was... So we lost as the Phils, but Hayden won. And it was, and Hayden made a big deal. It was cute, very good. It was nice. So I had to give you something nice. I can't. I have nothing nice about the forecast until Sunday. Okay, it's just blustery, sixty-four degrees. NBC Ten first alert forecast. It's nasty, and it gets nastier tonight. And it's Friday night football under the Friday night lights, and we're all going to be soaking wet and cold. But that's okay. And but there could be some storms, so we'll see where we go with that but coastal flood warning seriously roads are bad you heard stalker say it, it it only gets worse so tomorrow morning much of the same we will clear out we're supposed to clear out allegedly by tomorrow afternoon and see a little bit of sunshine even for your saturday afternoon 70 degrees the high sunday though wow bright sunny beautiful skies 80 degrees and that takes us into next week if you think about everything that's going on next week whoo we're gonna love it a second summer i love it and it's gonna be beautiful just in time for the first eagles Woo-hoo! sunday home game of the year nice i can't believe it. it's the end of september it's the first sunday home game of the year so red october and sunny october here kellen company news live all right don thank you very much Six fifteen friday morning let's get to the last big take of the week the big take on kellen company All right, the big take this morning, media malpractice, every which way you turn. The media and journalism as a whole should be ashamed of the malpractice that they've committed over the last week. There is plenty of embarrassment to go around. We're going to highlight three separate instances where it has been on full display, both nationally and locally, right here in Philadelphia. Yesterday, CNN, MSNBC, ABC News, CBS News, and NBC News all decided not to cover the first day of Joe Biden's impeachment inquiry. Locally, over the last few days, the Philadelphia Inquirer has also continued to disgrace themselves as an outlet with how they've covered what's going on in the Central Bucks School District. And finally, we will take a look at how the Washington Post got exposed by Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports on their agenda in slant that was meant as a hit piece 
on the social media giant. But let's start with the five media networks on television yesterday. CNN, MSNBC, and ABC, CBS, and NBC News. Not one of them covered the first hearing on Thursday held by Republicans to explore whether Joe Biden should be impeached. Fox News was the only network that actually carried it live. The Washington Post actually had the temerity to say in a column that, quote, though no evidence ties President Biden to his son Hunter's work abroad, the GOP held a first hearing to explore whether the 46th president of the United States should be impeached. Here is Florida Congressman Byron Donalds laying out the evidence in a flowchart to show America what the Bidens have done as he speaks and asks to a special investigator, a forensic accountant specifically, Bruce Dubinsky, his expert opinion on this flowchart. Take a listen and watch. And, um, Mr. Dubinsky, I'm going to come to you quickly. A lot of talk about evidence. On the screens in the room, we have an organizational chart from the IRS investigative team that was looking into the business practices of Hunter Biden and his associates. This org chart is from 2014. Now, Mr. Dubinsky, when my former life, I was in community banking, and I'm, com- I'm comfortable with looking at organizational charts. When I first saw this chart, the first thing I thought about was a real estate holding company or a developer, and this is not to demean developers in the great east state of America, but developers typically have multiple companies that float with various business interests and business lines. But the funny thing is that in the business dealings of Hunter Biden, there is no real estate, none at all. So, Mr. Dubinsky, in your professional experience, looking at this organizational chart of business structure, what do you see here? I see a very complicated structure of entities uh, that are interrelated and would give me concern. If I were an investigator, I would want to know what's going on in these entities, who's behind them, how's, how's the money moving between them, and what is the substance of the transactions? What's really going on here? Mr. Dubinsky, do you think it's in the, in the interest of this committee that is now in an inquiry phase to actually find out all of the... Uh, flow of money between these entities and what the purpose was? Absolutely. Miranda Devine, the great reporter for the New York Post, revealed in a screenshot on Twitter yesterday that the impeachment inquiry has just released a WhatsApp message, which apparently is the Biden's favorite communication app, a WhatsApp message from Hunter Biden to his uncle Jim saying, quote, you've been drawn into something for the purpose of protecting dad, end quote. Seems like evidence to me. But let's hear Mr. Donald's asking another expert, former U.S. Assistant Attorney Eileen O'Connor, about the message that was shared between Hunter and Jim, which connects Hunter's business dealings, it would seem, to the big guy. Listen. This is the WhatsApp text message between Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. In this text message, it clearly says, anyway, we can talk later, but you've been drawn into something purely for the purpose of protecting dad. This is between Hunter Biden and Jim Biden. Last time I checked, the father of Jim Biden and Joe Biden is now passed away. So I'm assuming this is Hunter Biden saying to Jim Biden, the president's brother, that you've been brought in this for the sole purpose of protecting dad. Miss O'Connor, do you think that this text message would lead this committee to get further information about the business dealings of Hunter Biden and how that actually links to Jim Biden, the president's brother, and why they are so concerned with protecting Dad, a.k.a. Joe Biden, a.k.a. the president of the United States? Yes. Meanwhile, as this evidence is being revealed and confirmed by experts under oath, America did not see it happen live in real time unless you were watching Fox News, as five news networks didn't think it was worth breaking into with live TV coverage. 
But if it was Donald Trump utilizing shell companies with his son and the Democrats had control of the House and were launching an impeachment inquiry, CNN and MSNBC would have had wall-to-wall coverage around the clock. But then again, lamestream media is going to lamestream. Next up, we have the Philadelphia Inquirer. In an article that was written at BroadandLiberty.com, Beth Ann Rosica calls out the Inquirer for omitting pertinent facts with intentional omissions in a story that focuses on the ongoing culture wars being fought in the Central Bucks School District with their upcoming school board election and race. Beth Ann joined the Dawn Show yesterday to discuss this. I want to play you two clips. One kind of sets the scene for what we all know about the Inquirer, and then the other is details about this specific story. But let's listen to Beth Ann on just how woke the Philadelphia Inquirer has become. Listen. Sure, happy to do that. So the article in Broad and Liberty was published last week, and it's called Intentional Emissions from the Philadelphia Inquirer as a Question, published on September 20th. And what I was noticing, I mean, I've seen this for many, many years, that the Inquirer certainly has a very liberal-leaning side to them, as do most urban newspapers. It's sort of the sad state of affairs right now, but that's generally the case across the country. But it seems that the Philadelphia Inquirer, particularly in the last couple of years, is not only liberal-leaning, but you know, absolutely aligned with the progressive agenda throughout our region. And we've all realized this for quite some time, that the Inquirer is nothing more than a lapdog for the left. But then Beth Ann goes into detail about how the paper protected Democrats with information readily available to the public. But, you know, if it was a Republican, this would have absolutely have been included in the story. Take a listen to what she's referring to when it comes to Central Bucks School District. Then, you know, when I looked at sort of what was happening in Central Bucks over the last, you know, several months, the Philadelphia Inquirer editors, the editorial board, they endorsed the five Democratic school board candidates in the Central Bucks school board race. So May 9th, one week before the primary, the editors penned an article that Voters should prioritize education and student well-being in the Central Bucks School Board race. And they went on to formally endorse these five school board candidates. Mm -hmm. And they failed to leave out, to me, a, a very critical piece of information that one of these candidates is married to a teacher in the district, which that's not a big deal. That happens all the time. But... The fact that his wife is suing the school district in a federal lawsuit alleging not equitable pay, a violation of the Equitable Pay Act, and that they are trying to negotiate a settlement with the school board, which could, you know, if the lawyer is correct, could be a very large dollar amount. The fact that the, the Philadelphia Inquirer endorsed this person and did not include this information in the endorsement was very, very bothersome to me. Yeah. I looked at the Philadelphia Inquirer's endorsement guide. I actually have a 2023 endorsement guide. There's a link to it in my article. And their quote is, we thoroughly researched the candidate's background, <laughs> including a review of the published work of our newsroom colleagues and additional reporting by members of the board. So they claim that they have this thorough vetting process, yet I did a quick Google search and this lawsuit came up in an article in February of 2023 
you know, months in advance of their making their decision to endorse. So I believe that they didn't do any thorough vetting research of these five candidates. The fact that these were the five Democratic candidates were the ones that they were going to choose, regardless of any other circumstances. They, they don't talk about, they don't talk about what skills they'll bring. They don't talk about their strengths. They don't talk about anything other than these are the five people that will prioritize student well-being. And, and I find that disgraceful. Once again, the Philadelphia Inquirer only tells part of the story. Facts certainly omitted when it's not necessary. And that's part of the story. And that's why the Inquirer's readership or whatever is left of it is dying. And finally, speaking of dying publications, we get to the once respected Washington Post. A viral video last week of Barstool Sports founder Dave Portnoy surfaced confronting a Washington Washington Post reporter over a story that she was writing, which has touched off a debate about how journalists approach their subjects and if they too often carry preconceived narratives into their reporting. Portnoy posted a video on Twitter on Wednesday of a phone conversation with Washington Post food reporter Emily Heil, where he accused her of penning a, quote, hit piece and shaming his potential sponsors for associating with him at his upcoming One Slice Pizza Festival in New Jersey. In one message, Heil asked a redacted company if it would respond to criticism of its partnership with Portnoy due to his history of misogynistic comments and problematic behavior. Quote, you know, sometimes you have to say something like this is like, you know, it's sort of a reporting tactic, Heil said at one point during the call. When you, quote, want someone to respond, you kind of have to indicate that there might be something negative, and then you get them to engage. That's all I was trying to do, end quote. Portnoy was not having that. Anytime he does media appearances, he always records it so he can have the full context of the conversation. And Portnoy shot back and indicated that we are now living in a, quote, sad state of journalism. And many mainstream media critics jumped on the exchange as a classic example of gotcha reporting by reporters with an agenda. Portnoy, who told Heil at the outset he was recording the conversation, provided the Internet a look behind the curtain of how reporting in the 24-hour news environment against certain favored media targets go viral, and it racked up tens of millions of views on Twitter. In an interview with Jesse Waters Primetime last week, Portnoy said he believes, quote, journalism has become activism, and reporters are, quote, not looking for the truth. Journalism is supposed to be about facts, the truth, due diligence, digging, and reporting, And reporting the results with no bias, no agenda, no narrative, and no slant, just the outcome, even if it doesn't line up favorably for your side of the aisle. But sadly, today in America, journalism is on the brink of extinction, albeit for a few scattered outlets and reporters still in the business of what the profession was originally intended to be. And that's The Big Take. The Big Take on Kale & Company. All right, big take this morning. If you want to jump in, 855-839-1210 is the phone number. Twitter and Instagram at 1210WPHT. Or, of course, be a part of the Kale & Company comment community on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com slash at 1210WPHT and hit the like and subscribe buttons. We'll come back, get some thoughts and reaction from that. And also, speaking of media malpractice, former Philadelphia Phillies pitcher, Republican, and media member Kurt Schilling 
screwing things up royally and committing media malpractice, at least in my opinion. We'll get to that as we continue. It's a Friday morning on Kale & Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. You heard Sunday's going to be a beautiful day. What a better way to enjoy it than a 1 o'clock Eagles game. Eagles and Commanders, 1 o'clock. Uh, Nick and I will give our picks on uh, this game. $40 on the line between the two of us. We'll do that at 9.55 this morning. But enjoy the Sunday with a beautiful day and an Eagles home game. Take the Eagles minus 8.5. Trust me. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge Casino. It's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. I love the FanDuel app. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Greg right now. FanDuel.com slash Greg right now and kick off the NFL season. Sign up. Vandal, the official partner of the NFL, and is the official partner of 1210, WPHT, 21 and over, President of PA, first online room, money wager, only $10, first deposit required. Bonus issued is not withdrawable. Bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Kale and Company On Demand from Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app. Happy Friday to all of you. As we get it going here, final show of the week, final actually show for free trip to Walt Disney World. That's right. 9.50 this morning, last keyword of the month, Nick, Don, and Greg, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Get us on the free Odyssey app or watch us live on YouTube. Loaded cut sheet today, another great prize for the morning mystery movie clip. Queen and Adam Lambert tickets for the Wells Fargo Center coming up in October if we don't get flooded and washed away as a city before (laughs) All right, so, you know, this was an interesting week. Um, a lot of stuff since, really, I would say last Wednesday or Thursday. Um, you, know, you started out with what happened with the Washington Post and Dave Portnoy of Barstool. And then, of course, what has transpired this week here in this city with the way the Philadelphia Inquirer has covered things, not only um, with the looting and the rioting, but certainly up into the suburbs with Central Bucks School District and, obviously, Bucks County. Um, and then yesterday, you had the, the first impeachment inquiry, and it's just remarkable that, and I'm sure CNN and MSNBC, they talked about it on some of the shows later in the day or in the evening after it was over and gave their takeaways and their recap. But the only network that was covering it was Fox News Live. Yet MSNBC and CNN, like CNN of all places, like your ratings are so bad. You think maybe you would pivot away from some of your awful daytime shows and just, you know, peek in and carry it for 15 or 20 minutes in, in a, some, in somebody's, uh, hour wheelhouse of, hey, I'm, I'm the host of CNN from one to two. What do you think from 120 to 135? We just, you know, we peek in at the impeachment inquiries and, and listen live and watch for a couple of minutes. Now, it was almost like a mainstream media blackout across the board as this was happening live on television on Fox News. And, uh, Dawn, you obviously had a great piece yesterday, a uh, great sit down with Beth Ann Rosica. Um, and, you know, she really lays out how, look, if you're going to sit here and talk about the subject at hand, yeah. you're like really leaving out some interesting points and really facts. That's let's call it their facts from the story, because it necessarily doesn't paint the people that you're trying to paint in a positive light in a great context, so to speak. Yeah, and today I'll have a, from the suburbs a mom call. She is somebody who's caught in the middle of a situation um, in the community where she's been victimized by doxing. How the inquirer is reporting that, 
And and I, I just will say with the Philadelphia Inquirer, there are pieces of the Inquirer that I love. Their culture, their arts pages are wonderful, and I love the writers there. But their front page often is littered with media malpractice. Mm-hmm. And not for nothing, but I would I would worry about a lawsuit at some point. I mean, you're you're describing ordinary citizens, private citizens who are mothers with children in the community, and you're describing them as, you know, terrorists. Mm-hmm. And 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 just so slander, libel, defamation. I, I just I just would watch that one. I I just think o- over time it's you know the continuation of slamming people because they have joined a group that in their eye a lot of these women by the way they're Democrats, Republicans, Independents they just came to the issue of hey I want parental rights in my kids' school sure and I'm very concerned about some of the books that are available in the library or on a little bookshelf put in the classroom and that's really their one issue mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean the, a lot of these folks are not political people right and so to paint them with that broad brush it's just wrong yep i totally agree um and then greg found a great story speaking of media malpractice we all recall or most of us i would assume remember philadelphia phillies pitcher uh kurt schilling uh he was on the 93 phillies team he was here through the mid 90s uh, went to Arizona and Boston uh, afterwards. And since uh, retiring from baseball, um, he's been in the media. He's done some podcasts, some videos. I think he was with OutKick for a little bit. Uh, he is certainly a conservative. He's, he's still with OutKick. He's still with OutKick, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so certainly a Republican. He's, a, I believe he's a Trump guy. Um, and the Boston Herald is slamming um, Kurt Schilling today because Kurt Schilling shared some news about one of his former teammates, uh, a great knuckleball pitcher by the name of Tim Wakefield, who sadly Tim Wakefield and both his wife and uh, both of them are battling cancer at the same time. And the Boston Herald says this. I'm reading this directly from uh, the Herald's piece online. Former Red Sox knuckleballer Tim Wakefield has been diagnosed with brain cancer while his wife Stacy is fighting pancreatic cancer. Uh, Developments that were shared publicly without their permission, the organization said in a press release yesterday. The statement from the Red Sox comes after Wakefield's ex-teammate, Kurt Schilling, brought the illness to light on his podcast on Wednesday night, saying, quote, We are aware of the statements and inquiries about the health of Tim and Stacy Wakefield. Unfortunately, this information has been shared publicly without their permission, the statement reads. Their health is a deeply personal matter they intended to keep private as they navigate treatment and work to tackle their diseases. Tim and Stacy are appreciative of the support and love that has always been extended to them and respectfully ask for privacy at this time. While Schilling, on his podcast, acknowledged he never ex- accepted or received approval from Wakefield and his family to share the news before proceeding to do so anyway. Schilling goes on to say, quote, this is not a message that Tim has asked anyone to share, and I don't even know if he wants it shared. But as a Christian, as a man of faith, I've seen prayer work, so I'm going to talk about it. Uh, all that aside, I, I don't like the fact that you go out there and with and look, if you were and this is no disrespect to Kurt Schilling and what he's doing post career wise, if you're a member of the media, but the reality is he's not a real journalist. He's 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 got a podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. Uh, he's sharing his opinions. You don't go out there. And, and, and Don, I would love to hear your thoughts on this because you've, and unlike Joe Biden, you've actually been employed by a university to teach classes as a professor, as an adjunct uh, in journalism. Is this out of line for Schilling to share this type of information and divulge it when it was not basically granted to him 
I mean, I, I feel like in some regards it's, it's out of line, but also I just said in the big take, you know, if you have information and you report it and you share it, sometimes you do that against other people's will, against a slant, an, an agenda, a narrative. Is Schilling out of line here, or is this just a guy that's, you know, you know, doing a podcast that had a buddy that he played with that sadly is sick. It doesn't seem like there's there's ill will or ill intention. He's not trying to seek out the spotlight for clicks and views. But like nobody said you you could do that, and you just said that a husband and wife are dealing with brain and pancreatic cancer. I'm not sure how. I, I truth be told, I, I feel it's a little scumbaggish, but I don't know. Well, okay, Kurt Schilling is is. Talking on a podcast that uh, did you know he had like a podcast or what? I didn't know. Everybody's got a podcast these days. I did. Yes. Okay, I did not. So uh, I I think part of this is he thinks, and I I I will say this about him. Um, you know, he's he's talking to a group of people. He's not a trained journalist. He messed up. He he forgets, and I I sometimes catch myself. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, there's like an event this weekend. That I almost like said something, and then I texted the person and said, uh, "Can I say this on the air? Is this a public?" And she, and she was like, "No, right. please don't." Off the record. And so I was like, "Okay," um, but I'm a tra- you know I I have a background of being a trained journalist, so I shouldn't you know I shouldn't have even I almost said it though like mm-hmm. I almost bleh, you know so for him he messed up. And he should come out and say, "I oh man, I feel terrible. Is this, I'm so sorry." Is this but, the equivalent of like you know we? I know you don't, and it's typically the the protocol not to reveal the names of minors that get arrested because they're protected, even though you might have that information. Like if you slipped with one of the three, what was it? Forty nine of the fifty two mm-hmm. looters were adults; three were minors, and you slipped and said one of the minors' names despite having it in front of you and knowing it's a no no. I mean, would that be like an embarrassing moment? As a journalist, knowing you're probably not supposed to do that. Well, there there's no law or rule. I could say the juveniles. Oh, okay. So there there's no legally. Okay. There's no law or rule necessarily. Although you could uh, Odyssey could get sued, right? Because they're saying, look, this is a kid, and they're you know deserve a second chance, and you've smeared them, and they're an athlete, and they lost their scholarship or mm-hmm. something of that nature. Um, but usually for juveniles and for uh, rape victims or child abuse victims. Yeah, it's a courtesy that the the media just in general. It's an unwritten rule. There's okay. no law. Okay, but on this one, I'm just going to ask you this: uh, since I don't, I didn't know Kurt Schilling had a, any kind of a podcast. I didn't even know he was on Outkick. I was a fan of him, and I know that he was canceled by whatever ESPN because he's a Christian conservative. Yeah. Yeah, it's not because he's a Christian. Yeah, pretty, pretty much no, was. No, it, no it's but, because he said some egregious things. Okay, whatever. But okay. he, okay. <laughs> I like her showing. But I, I didn't say I didn't. But I'm just that. saying that he, he's. I mean, check his timeline and and the the these the, the semi anti Semitic things he said over the last. Oh, he did. I didn't. Yes. See, I didn't even know yeah. that about him. And this is my point. That. I never knew that. Why? Did, what the heck with people with anti? I, I, I don't get people. Anyway, I, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. My point. But you're making my point. Everybody's reporting on it. Mm-hmm. The Boston Herald, every, everybody's reporting that Kurt Schilling, he said so-and-so and his wife have these horrible cancers that are deadly. It's like, why are you guys reporting on it? You're trained journalists. Then don't report on it. Just say Kurt Schilling is being called out because he said uh, a former colleague and his wife have cancer, whatever. Don't say their names then. Yeah. You're, you're publicizing it because... I, if he had just left it at his podcast, mm-hmm. I never would have known about it. 
The media never lets you <laughs> when you when you make a mistake in your professional life, like Kurt Schilling did with the anti-Semitic stuff. I think it was, he was at ESPN when he said that because I believe he was on Sunday Night Baseball and him and John Crook, I think, had some sort of um, uh, show together or something to that extent. They never let it go. Like you know, Kurt Schilling said something, made a mistake, so now it's like the media loves to play like the holier than now card. Like they'll hold that sin over you for the rest of your professional existence, yeah. so you don't get the benefit of the doubt with the mainstream media and then they all kind of pile on i think it is out of line that he said that i mean it's not like you know the guy broke his leg and fell down a flight of steps that guy's got brain cancer while his wife simultaneously is going through treatments for pancreatic cancer like that you talk about a bad luck marriage right there that's a that's an awful predicament for that family to be in so they're going after him but it's it's to the point of like just again, I just where journalism is today, and I think there's a difference between journalism and media. I think media also includes entertainment and opinion. Journalism is supposed to be the digging, the due diligence, the facts, and the reporting, like you know, Don. So I, I feel like there's a little bit of a difference between the two under the media umbrella, so to speak. But it's just like across the board this week, and it's it's not even this week. It's, for, it's been for months and months and a handful of years now. And all these publications have always leaned left, but now they've gone super left. They've gone just not from supporting the Democratic Party and liberals to, you know, all the progressives. It's like, it's like Washington Post, New York Times, Philadelphia Inquirer. It's like the, it's like the publication of squad Dems now. And it's just, you don't get the true, you don't get all of the story with them. Yeah, I'm just, I didn't realize, Kurt Schilling three days ago uh, shared a media post claiming Jews are dominating the country when they did not even found the, comp- yes. the, the country. First of all, he uses improper English. Second of all, Kurt, if you're a Christian, Jesus is a Jew. You're, you're going to face the judgment day, uh, j- dude, so you yeah. better shut it. Yeah. Like, I don't even understand, like, why people say that's stupid. I think maybe he's not a bright guy or maybe he took, I don't know, balls hit him in the head. I don't know what, what is up with him. I, I really don't. Like, yeah. don't talk. Why are you talking? Why are you saying that? Yeah. I, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, and some, I, some I didn't the, know that he, thank you, Greg, for that. I didn't know three, this was three days ago. Yeah, a lot of his comments aren't very Christ and Christian like, which is always a big hypocrisy that I have a problem with. Like, you yeah, want to, if you want to advertise your religion, that's great. I'm religious too. I don't shove it down people's throats because I'm an idiot and I make a ton of mistakes. But it's like <laughs> these guys go out of their way, they say they are, and then their actions just completely contradict what they claim to be. But yeah. Chilling once again in the news. I figured we would tie that in but, with But again, Nick, why, why is everybody reporting on it? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All these major publications that's gone viral, not because of his dopey, you know what I mean? I don't even, I didn't even see this one. That's how he's off the radar to me. Yeah. But people who are on the radar, it would have behooved them to not say the names, but yeah. say he did something else that was not smart. Yep. You should just talk about sports. And shut up about the rest. There you go. 855-839-1210. I like it. (laughs) Do you have advice for Hunter and Joe in the WhatsApp messenger? (sighs) We're going to get to that story. Some takeaways from yesterday's first impeachment inquiry as we wrap up hour number one on a Friday morning. It's Kale and Company. This is the Kale and Company podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. Hey, let's talk about Southern Italy next spring on this dreary day with all the rain let's just plan our escape you know the last time wpht travelers visited italy i know that many of you discovered northern italy well now we are heading south yes southern italy on a gastronomical tour of the most beautiful coastline in the entire world the amalfi coast please join me for 12 magical days in luxury with the professionals once again from conservative tours they're the best 
And, you know, if I'm putting my good name on this, I want to travel with the best tour operator in all of Italy, which brings me to my friends at Conservative Tours, A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. We're even going to take the high-speed jet foil to the Isle of Capri. What an amazing experience. And all for fifty-two sixty-seven. That includes your airfare, luxury hotels, dining events galore. You're going to remember this years from now. We're going to be talking about it for ages to come, right? Toll-free, 888-733-9494, conservativetours.com. The Abbey of Monte Cassino. I'm so excited. I get butterflies when I talk about this trip. It really is the trip of a lifetime. Do this. Julia, Medieval Caserta, Sorrento, Pompeii. And yes, we'll see the great sights in Rome all before heading home. Jam-packed trip, but we're going to enjoy ourselves in luxury. Join me next spring. Come away with me to Italy, southern Italy, that is. I'll see you in the Isle of Capri. Call them now, 888-733-9494, conservativetours.com. Live here on a Friday morning, Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Been a great week of shows, a lot of good stuff in the middle of the week. Certainly uh, around everything with the looting and the rioting and the stealing. And, of course, the GOP primary debate, the second Republican debate. We've got those ratings and fallout reaction on both of those to kick off our number two. That's on the way. Uh, but yesterday... We had <laughs> the first impeachment inquiry hearing, which was was very interesting because the Dems were trying to basically uh, throw smoke bombs and distract and spin things back to Donald Trump. Because when you can't play the racism card or the climate change card, you might as well play the Trump card. Uh, and that's what the Dems were doing yesterday. And there was some very interesting evidence, yet it still does not show the direct connection, but maybe we will see. Uh, a couple of things to put a bow on this conversation. I uh, gave you a little bit of uh, forensic accountant Bruce Dubinsky, who was uh, speaking with Byron Donalds from Florida in the big take. Uh, he did go on to say as well, quote, I am not here today to even suggest that there was corruption, fraud, or wrongdoing. More information needs to be gathered before I can make such an assessment. Uh, also, one of our favorite law professors, Jonathan Turley, also said that the House does not yet have enough evidence to support articles of impeachment against Joe Biden, but did argue that House Republicans were justified in opening the impeachment inquiry. He says, quote, I want to emphasize what it is that we're here today for. This is a question of an impeachment inquiry. It is not a vote on articles of impeachment. In fact, I do not believe that the current evidence provided would support articles of impeachment. That is something that an inquiry has to establish. But I also do believe that the House has passed the threshold for an impeachment inquiry into the conduct of President Biden. Turley said that Biden's false statements about his knowledge of Hunter, business, Hunter Biden's business endeavors as well as the unproven allegations that Biden may be benefiting from his son's business deals, were reason for the House to move forward with this impeachment inquiry. And the next shoe that will drop is going to be coming very soon because new subpoenas have been issued for bank records where House Republicans issued three of them yesterday in the evening for the personal and business records of the president's son, Hunter Biden, and brother, James Biden, a move that James Comer had forecast at the close of the hearing. He said, quote, the subpoenas, subpoenaed bank records will help the committees determine whether Joe Biden abused his office by selling access and or receiving payments for other benefits in exchange for official acts. 
which is a critical aspect of this committee's impeachment inquiry. That's a joint statement from James Comer and Jim Jordan, my buddy from Ohio. So uh, we'll see how this plays out, uh, but obviously this will continue and we will stay up on it, unlike MSNBC and CNN. <laughs> Don will have some news to kick off hour number two. That's on the way. It's Kale & Company, Nick, Don, and Greg here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Start your day with Kale & Company. Weekday morning, 6 till 10 on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app.